Praise the Lord. It's the first day of May. Sunday, the first day of May. January's gone, February's gone, March and April. Um, one quarter of the year is already passed, and the year is moving swiftly. And during this year, there are all kinds of things happening. Uh, but before I say anything else, I want to welcome everyone present here in the service today. And those that are joining us online, uh, we welcome you also. It is always good to get a comment coming in from those joining online. And even those in the local church, um, when we read a comment from someone that the service was a blessing to them, it makes me understand that it's not just sitting and getting uh, information given to you, but the, work, the Word of God becomes a blessing to you. And so that is so important that we hear from you. They, the social media has this thumbs up, right? Like, that don't mean anything. To me, thumbs up don't mean a single thing. You know, the like, I hear words. Um, thumbs up is like I say, praise God, praise God, praise God. Same thing. Um, when you put a comment and say, I like what I heard. This is amazing. This is good. See, that's the beauty with mankind from animal kind. We have the power of speech and expression. And so when you hear uh, someone make a comment, uh, whether negative or positive, I told Brother Joe some time ago, I said sometimes people might be upset. Go ahead, let them say, um, you like what they say. Uh, appreciate what they say, whether negative or positive. And so today we're glad to see everyone here. Um, I was glad to see, um, last night we were glad to see Melanie show up. Uh, that was really, really good. We, when someone is not here, we communicate with them all the time to the Lord. Uh, I have not stopped praying, and I'm sure some of you have not stopped praying for Melanie and trying to communicate with her. Uh, Sister, Sister Doherty is my agent uh, that works with that. We let her go to the store, buy stuff, and take it for Melanie. Uh, we care for the people, and we pray for you all the time. It's also good to see Nathan at the back. Nathan, I want you to know that we ha not a single day has gone by without your name being mentioned in prayer. Because no matter what you say, I can only do so much, but God must nurture the individuals that are present. Is that all that we're going to welcome here today? No? So anybody else we're going to welcome? Oh, there we go, Sister Chandri. And that is why <laughs> that is why I'm up today. I'm up today because I want to personally welcome her back. Um, she left to her, she would have been back a long time. But I kept her back, kept her restrained, and uh, until I feel like she would be able to sit through uh, this one, I become an hour early, so it's two hours of sitting and enduring the service. And I hope that God will touch her. Sister Chandri has been faithful to the Lord for many, many years. And while she was 
immobilized. I appreciate all the help. And um, Sister Indira was a major help uh, in the house. And um, the saints that came along and helped, Sister Joyce uh, and other individuals that supplied uh, various needs. We appreciate all your prayers and your help, and we thank God for that. As a pastor and a pastor's wife, uh, sometimes you're isolated. You feel like you're left on a little island uh, because the message you preach is not a social gospel. It's a gospel. We're not here. We're not very. She and I, she is more social than I am. Uh, but um, living with me over these uh, many, many years uh, in missionary work, the sacrifices that she has made over the years, I appreciate God uh, helping her to do that. And Sister Indira, thank you for being there and cleaning house and doing all kinds of stuff. Uh, she's, she's not a healthy person. She's got some, um, some complications. Uh, but thanks again, and um, thanks to everyone for your prayers. And we pray that God will bless us in this service today. We have been having wonderful services, and I pray that when my life and my ministry is over, that I would have at least put a three or four people in the king in the in the first resurrection and a few more in the kingdom of God. Amen. Let's have a good service today. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks once again for your great your goodness and your great mercy that you have bestowed upon every one of us. As we are gathered today in your house, Lord, we appreciate the years that you have brought us from. Uh, the various countries you've brought us from, the various backgrounds that you've brought us from. We thank you, Father, because in your mind, you're, you are not surprised in what you do. Uh, your plan has always been successful. Sometimes we fail to comprehend all the details of your plan, Father. But, oh God, I thank you that you're a good God and you're a faithful God. And so when we look back at all these years that we've spent as a church, we appreciate you, Father, for helping us up to this day and for your goodness in our lives. Continue to save us, Father. I thank you especially for bringing Chandri out. Lord, they said six weeks, but she's out. And uh, it's not even six weeks, Lord, barely three weeks. And we thank you for your goodness and your strength. Continue to strengthen our faith and our confidence in you, Father. Strengthen our body, we pray. Work a healing in every one of our lives. We pray for those that are not here today, the Phillips family, and those that are sick in that family, we pray that you'll be with them and strengthen their faith. Uh, especially, Father, we pray for Sister Phillips that you keep her protected. At her age, Lord, we appreciate the years that she is serving you. And we pray you'll continue to strengthen her. Father, bless her service today and bless every child of God gathered here, Father. Each one gathered here today, we pray that you'll be a blessing to us. In Jesus' name, amen.
sing it like you sing every other song in society or you can direct your mind to the Lord and I'm talking to every young one gathered in this church as well as those older when we sing a song like this don't be a regular church goer and we just sing sing from the heart I lift my hands how do you lift your hands Ah, that's how we lift hands. It goes up, right? Uh, we lift our hands. I'm singing to the Lord, so I'm telling him I'm lifting my hands. In honor and glory to the King. Hallelujah and blessings and praises now I bring. My heart no longer your blessings can contain. So when I sing your blessings, I'm talking to the Lord. It's a beautiful song. Now, you can sing this song and receive a blessing while we're singing it. You can have God touch your heart, touch your mind, touch your body right now as we sing this and perform a healing physically as well as spiritually in your life right here in this church today. Okay, let's try that again.
Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Father, we praise your name. Lord, we pray you touch this Patricia. Even right now, Lord, touch her. Lord, from the very crown of her head to the soles of her feet, Father, touch her, we pray. Let your healing virtues flow through her body right now, Father. God, we believe you, we believe you, we believe you, Father. Yes, we thank you, Father. With your
Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Let's all be seated. It is absolutely important that when we are gathered in church, we're not just gathered to fulfill a religious lust or a religious desire carnally. I think it might have been Paul's last letter to Timothy that he, he writes here in chapter 4 of his letter to Timothy. He said, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and kingdom. And then he says, preach the word. See, there is a difference with just reading scripture and preaching the word. It's, there is a difference. Uh, this Bible is scripture. You might call it the word of God, but I see it as scripture. It is put together, various documents, uh, epistles, uh, writings of the prophets all put together and it's it's very beautiful it's a beautifully bound uh, leather bound calfskin leather bound uh, book uh, put together with six to six pieces of documents it is scripture well, when the Holy Ghost uh, touches someone's mind and he takes the scripture and preaches it relevant to the needs of the people in that time, it becomes the Word of God. And the Word of God is quick. Um, I will find a scripture. I've got my finger in, in, in 2 Timothy chapter 4. But I'm looking at uh, Hebrews just one couple of pages over to the, uh, to the, towards the end of your Bible. A couple of pages and it's Hebrews in chapter 4. Uh, Paul, I think, is the author of the book of Hebrews. And he says here in verse 12, he says, The Word of God. The Word of God. You know, um, it's not incidental, but Jesus is also called the Word of God. If he was dead and never resurrected, he will not be classified as the Word of God. But because he's alive, uh, he was, even when he came to this earth, he took on him human flesh and lived a human life. And he died, but he resurrected. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. He is called the Word of God. And Paul is writing here, he says, the Word of God is quick and it's powerful. And it's sharper than any two-edged two -edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow, 
and a is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. When the word of God is genuinely preached, not just a preacher getting up and polyparroting uh, someone else's message, but the word of God is anointed and scripture is taken out and applied appropriately to the needs of the people present in that congregation, scripture under the anointing becomes the word of God because it's relevant to the time we are living in or whenever it is preached and it is designed to change our lives. Right to the thoughts and intents of the heart. When you sit in church and you just sit there and the service uh, does not affect you and the word of God does not change your life, uh, then the word of God is of none effect. Uh, it says, uh, someone says, the word will return void. Uh, it is useless. It is like if you have a bottle of medicine on the shelf that the doctor has prescribed for you and you look at it and you love it and you kiss it and you hug it but you don't follow the instructions and take it according to the prescription then it would not help you. Well you can sit in a million services and if the anointing of God is not in that service and the word of God is not touching your life all you receive is scripture, you've got the letter, and the letter kill it. When you come in half dead, when you leave, you'll be three-quarter dead. When you come in stunted, you're not leaving, quickened. And that is why it is important just not to have church. But have church that we can feel the presence of God, like we felt here today. And I appreciate this worship here today because it was not boisterous. It was not motivating the flesh because a lot of people go to church to fulfill a spiritual, carnal, spiritual desire. And so Paul is writing here in 2 Timothy and chapter 4. He says, I charge thee, therefore, I'm charging you. Now imagine this is the last epistle that Paul is writing before he's executed. And you think he would soften up. No, a true man of God never softens up. A true man of God, called of God, is not a Dale Carnegie product. Dale Carnegie, Dale Carnegie an author, wrote a very powerful tool for salespeople and people working in the in the secular world out there, especially in sales departments, and it's called How to Win Friends and Influence People. They teach you the art. Dale Carnegie tells you how to say the right thing to someone to get their attention. A preacher can't use Dale Carnegie methods to preach the Word of God. He'll have to re re uh, rely on God's methods. And God's methods, sometimes it's gentle, a lot of times it's blunt and unapologetic in its delivery. And we have this Bible full of cases, one after the other. We go back in the Old Testament and we see the prophets of God were never 
standing up and one prophet polyparroting what another prophet said. See, Isaiah, uh, Jer uh, Jeremiah did not need Isaiah's writings to preach what God placed in Jeremiah's life. But we live in a world where preachers are manufactured. Uh, you know, you can go to a factory and you can get something manufactured. You can go to a, um, a finishing carpenter and have a furniture built to your specifications. I look at this little pulpit we've got over there, and Brother Frank manufactured that pulpit. Right? That was manufactured. And a preacher could be manufactured. And he does what uh, the system demands for him to do. And there might not be a calling on his life. And if there is not, then everyone that follows a blind, blind preacher is blind. Now, I'm not here telling you I'm the only preacher that sees. I might see to a certain extent. But I must be able to understand that if I see anything, it is the grace of God that has allowed me to see. If what I see and what I preach inflates my ego, then I must question what I see and what I preach. If the success I have in life as a minister is not matching the success of the men in the Bible that went ahead of me, but it's a different form of success. This morning I was thinking, uh, something was said and I was thinking of our anniversary services. And uh, anniversary services, when a preacher uh, is celebrating his anniversary, how many years are we in Canada uh, in this particular church? Uh, it is 42, 40, 42 going to 43 years. Uh, we've been here in Canada. Can you imagine? We have an anniversary service and everybody's gathered here and Sister Chandri and I, we are hidden in the back and then we come out like bride and bridegroom and march up in front and everybody starts to play trumpets and praise us. If that happens in this church, leave it. Because you got a preacher that needs to be pampered. I'm not here to build myself up. I'm here to save you by the gospel I preach. And it has been the same for as many years as I'm preaching. It has not changed. And so Paul, in his last approach here, he's telling Timothy, he says, I charge thee therefore before God, I'm charging thee. What a strong statement. Before God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and kingdom. He isolates, he makes a distinction between the Father and the Son. Last Wednesday we had an amazing lesson. And when I say amazing lesson, it's not because when I'm finished I shake my shoulders and say that was good, eh? I remember one time a preacher came. We were at Kenmuir Church. Uh, we just bought that building. And there was a brother from Michigan that came over. And uh, he preached. And he did a good job. You know, he was a good preacher. And when he was finished preaching, I walked over to him. And I said to him, I said, brother, I remember his name up to now. I wouldn't tell you. You want to know the name? 
I hope not. And so I said, I said, brother, you did a good job. He says, you like it, huh? I said, yes, you did a good job. He said, huh, you should listen to me when I really get fired up, brother. And I'm sorry, I said, you did a good job. I should have continued and I didn't have the boldness to do it. And I'm glad I didn't. Uh, when he said, you, do, you did a good job. And he says, you like my preaching, huh? And you should hear me when I really get fired up. And I would have said, you had lousy spirit. Good preaching, lousy spirit. Because that's not what we're here for. As I die daily, I'm able to offer you life. And sometimes the saints in a congregation can destroy the minister. The saints, without them realizing it, can destroy the minister by boosting his ego up. And if he's not spiritual enough to take the praises, he can be destroyed. What do you think about anniversaries? Well, the Bible doesn't say about anniversaries and the Bible doesn't say about a lot of things. But I don't have a problem with an anniversary service uh, conducted if you want to remember. Uh, we remember our wedding anniversary. Uh, we celebrate birthdays, you know, not like the pagans do. Uh, but um, we celebrate these things. Nothing is wrong in celebrating an anniversary if God sits on the pedestal, not the preacher. In all we do, we give God the praise. Thank God for the preacher. Thank God that God helped the preacher to remain faithful. And speaking of faithful, I have been faithful and we have been faithful. And Nadine, thank you for being faithful over these years. We're coming back to that. Here, Paul is writing and he says, I preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. When it's necessary, not all the time, but when it's necessary, reprove. When it's necessary, rebuke. But when you do that, you must exhort with all long suffering and according to the scripture. You don't copy someone in society, but your faith and your practices are based on the word of God. And he goes on here, he says, because, Timothy, because the time will come. This was said in AD 64, approximately. This is, we are living 2,000 years uh, since Paul made this statement. He says, the time will come. It has been here for years. When individuals will not endure strong doctrine of lifestyle. No one wants to tell you how to live. See, I'm preaching, someone says, a very strong gospel. No, it's not. There will come a time where I'll tell you, if you're going to be developing the mind of Christ, and we'll preach this until you get tired of it, I uh, will tell you, if you want to develop the mind of Christ, imagine Jesus walking along with you on a daily basis. Imagine him sitting alongside you when you turn the television on. Imagine that he is buying you buying two tickets, one for you, one for him, as you go into the sports arena. 
Imagine when you go into the mall, Jesus is walking alongside. And if your Jesus would accommodate all that Hollywood offers and all that the fashion world offers and all that the entertainment world offers, he's a joker. That's not the Jesus I serve. That Jesus is a joker. The Jesus I serve, he had the spirit of his father dwelling in him. And what his father was, and that is why Wednesday night was a great night. A night that inspired me when it was over. A message I lived over and listened over and over and over up to this morning. I listened to that message over and over, over not to be entertained, but to be edified and see how much more I need the spirit of the father working in me. If you're a part of this assembly, if you're a part of this assembly and don't even follow the messages online or follow the messages on a daily basis, I wonder if you really know where you are. I'm saying that again. If you're a saint in this church, you're a member in this church, and you're not following the lessons that I preach, in the day of technology, you're able on your phone to follow these messages. Amen. But there'll come a time, listen to me carefully, there'll come a time when the messages will not be available anymore. Jesus sent his disciples out and he said, He that receiveth you, receiveth me. And he that receiveth me, receiveth my Father that sent me. He says, he that rejected you, to reject does not mean, you say, I reject you. No, to reject means to ignore or to despise or to not pay attention to. To reject is not to follow. To follow is not rejecting. And when you follow the lessons on a daily basis, it is thy word, David said, have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. If the word of God becomes a daily part of your life, the word, Jesus is the living word, and you walk with him and he's walking with you, you'll find your steps will be ordered of the Lord. The steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. We live in a world spiritually called Egypt and Sodom. And in this world of so much of ignorance and worldliness, is God going to have individuals that will end up having the mind of Christ? If it was not for the end part of your Bible that tells us that there'll be 140 and 4,000 having the Father's name written in their forehead, when I look at what is going on in the world today, I said, never will it happen. When I look at the fickleness of society, I would never think God can produce overcomers. 
myself included. But I believe as we draw closer to the end of the age, we'll understand these things because Paul is warning Timothy. He says, they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust. Now there's lust. There's lust for opposite sex. Uh, there's lust for carnal things. There's lust for furniture, lust for pleasures, all kinds of lust. I lust after fashion designers. There's all kinds of lust. Lust after food. I'm a glutton. I like to eat, 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 and eat, and eat. I like food. I do. I'm a small eater. I don't like a lot of food. And Sister Chandri, when she's not well, she can't eat a lot of food. And when you have blessed us with food, it's for the rest of us, not her. She, she eats a little bit, right? And I'm so glad to see her, and she's already busted, ready to go home. So I've got to watch my preaching here. You understand what I'm saying? But there's all kinds of lusts, but the one of the worst lusts you can have is lust to satisfy a, a religious drive and a religious tradition and a religious feeling. I want to feel good. Tell that to Jeremiah when he said, The Lord has led me into darkness and not into light. Tell that to Jesus when Isaiah writes, He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. Tell that to the disciples when they were all rejected, and except for two individuals, they were all martyred for the gospel. What are we martyred for? In this day and this age that we're living in, the church has become a social club. And unless the church is measured, the temple is measured, and the altar is measured, and them that worship therein is measured, we'll never produce anyone for the bride of Christ. What we preach is important. Our order is important. How we worship is important. And when we leave the church, how we live, it is important. We can't serve God just to get an emotional fix. But Paul says that time will come. Paul, if you could only listen to what I'm saying here today, that time came soon after you were gone. And it's been in existence that I wish the time will come when they will be saved that listen to the word of God. And I'm saying there is coming a time, not when they will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, but there will come a time when individuals will seek after God with all their heart and all their soul and with all their might. That time is coming. Faithfulness is a hard commodity to find. Over here in second chapter of Second Timothy, uh, Paul is writing here and he's encouraging faithfulness. When this pandemic started in 2020, when it started, uh, we I just returned from Haiti. 
and there was a lockdown. And it was necessary for us to go and stream online. Uh, we were already putting stuff on Facebook. And if you go to our Facebook page, it says Faith Book instead of Facebook. We are already putting stuff online. And we were criticized for doing that. Uh, we were condemned for doing that. And you know what? Uh, I Sometimes I wonder... Uh, why people would think I make mistakes where the ministry is concerned. I wonder why individuals would say, well, you know, that brother's saying, give me, humans make mistakes. I want you to find those who say that I made a lot of mistakes. Are you listening to me? Yes, Am I perfect? No, I make mistakes in my own life. Well, when it comes to the ministry and the work of God, I'm what you call a faithful witness for God. And for the past two years of pandemic, I missed one service because I chose to miss that service to stay home with her uh, in the past uh, couple, uh, two months. One service. If it was church on a Saturday night, I'm here. If there was only five people in church, I still preach. If there was church on a Sunday, I'm here. And in two years, I have not missed preaching the gospel to this assembly and to those that are listening across the world. Snow would not keep me home. Excessive heat would not keep me home. Sickness is what I live with on a daily basis. It does not keep me home. I don't look for a reason not to come. I look for a reason to come. I live close to the church. We never lived close to the church when we came to Canada. We lived when we got our first house. It was... It was like an hour drive, an hour drive, 45 minutes drive. We lived on Winston Churchill, uh, the tent line in Derry. That's where we lived. A little beautiful street called Grace Field. Isn't that a nice name? Grace Field. And we give up Grace Field to move to Greaves. There we did. And when we bought this church, and in the night, I receive a phone call that something is happening, the alarm gets triggered, and I'm starting to come. By the time I reach church, the police had already come and checked, and false alarm, and they're already gone back home. And I come, by the time I get here, it's too late. If traffic is heavy, I'll have to turn back. And so we decided... To give up Grace Field, a comfortable little haven of rest. They say, Indira, you know our house at Grace Field. Wasn't it beautiful? Uh, wasn't it, uh, with a, we had a nice Colorado spruce right up in front. Very beautifully shaped. We had a deck, amazing testimony of how that was built at the back. That overlooked the field. 
The entire house was uh, ceramic tiles through the entire house. It was beautiful. Fireplace was there. Wonderful. In my backyard, I had three columnus, columnus apple trees. You know what's a columnus apple tree? I hope I'm saying the right word. It's a straight pole of a tree that has apples growing on the side. I've never seen one like that since then. But I had three of those. I had the most beautiful maple at the back called a Morgan maple. In the fall, it becomes the most beautiful red, br brownish red. We were comfortable, but we bought a church. And what would a faithful witness do? Move to the church. And we were moving to the church, willing to live in a tongue home. Sister Indira knows because her husband helped us to find these things in a tongue home on Cothra Street that you have to back into the driveway. You can park three cars on the driveway one after the other. I know what it is to be faithful. And for a person to live with me and enjoy that and then be willing to sacrifice that to move close to the church and live in a tongue home on Cothra Street, it was amazing sacrifice you made. That's right. And when we are almost ready to move into the tongue home and get things sorted out, I'm glad for Sister Indira's husband, Jude. He has helped us so much, so many times, so many ways. Uh, he called, he found a house that we're living in right now on, on Hague Boulevard. And uh, I was in Africa and I received a call. And it was said, the house you've got, we've got, we found a house for you. Sister Chandri was calling me in Africa. Long story. Had all the ministers around me. And who's calling Sister Chandri? And we says, hello. And she says, we found a house. And Jude said, all it will cost you is $100 extra per month. To pay for the mortgage. And there it is. We're living on five minutes away from the church. I make sacrifices in my life and God has honored every one of my sacrifices. For somebody says, well, he make mistakes. You got to be nuts. One mistake I remember making that involved some church people and that was Lodestar. When we were all trying to be businessmen. One mistake. I've never made a wrong judgment in all my years being in the church when it comes to making a decision. I'm standing before the church. If I'm not, be, I'm not being a true witness, stone me. For everyone, in anyone to backslide from the church and say he made a mistake. I don't take witnesses that are not available to stand there and witness. I preach the word of God. And if you backslide because of the word of God I preach. That's not a mistake. I made. It's a mistake you made. 
And Paul writes to Timothy, he said here in chapter 2 of 2 Timothy, he says, And the things that I was heard of me, verse 2, he says, Among many witnesses, he says, You sat there, son, and you listened to me preach. And the things you've heard of me among many other people sitting there listening to me, he says, don't change it. The same. Commit thou to fickle men. Now, he says, take that that you received. You're a faithful man. He says, take that and commit that to other faithful men uh, who shall be able to teach other faithful men also. He's telling Timothy how to be strong in the Lord. You know, one of the greatest and best examples of all time of faithfulness is our Lord Jesus himself. Over in Revelation, the first chapter, and I'm looking at time. I'm not going to run to the, not one minute over the time because I've got somebody's waiting on me here. See, I can control my time. And so I'm looking at the clock, and there I go. In Revelation, the very first chapter, uh, John is receiving this message. And the Wednesday night message, what I like about it is it tells us how to become like the Father. And the Father is invisible. He dwells in a light which no man can approach unto, whom no man had seen nor can see. Hold your finger in Revelation, the first chapter, and turn back with me to uh, 1 Timothy. Uh, I think I want the sixth chapter of 1 Timothy, where Paul is describing Jesus here. And he says here, and the Father, he says in chapter 6, he says, I give thee charge, verse 13. He says, I give thee charge in the sight of God. Uh, Paul had a way of preaching the gospel. Nobody fickled around uh, that were his um, associate ministers. He was very strong. And that made me confident, give me confidence in Paul. It gave me confidence in Isaiah. It gave me confidence in every man of God that stands up and knows what he's doing. And he says, I give thee charge in the sight of God, that's the Father, who quickeneth all things, and <clears throat> before Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession, that you keep this commandment without spot, that you keep the commandment I'm giving you. What is the commandment? Verse 2, verse 12, fight the good fight of fate, over, uh, lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art called. Fight this good fight of faith and lay hold on to eternal life. Don't give it up. Don't be fickle. Don't be vacillating. And he goes on to say, he says, which uh, keep the commandment without spot, unrebukable unto the appearing of our Lord Jesus when he comes back the second time to resurrect the righteous dead. He says, which in his time he will show you while he's on the earth. And in his time he'll show you who is the blessed and only potentate. That's the Father. Jesus will reveal to you more of the Father. Uh, he is the Father is the King of Kings. He doesn't have to wait for the kingdom to be established. He is the King of Kings. The Father is today. He says, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He says, who only, the Father only has inherent immortality. Uh, dwelling in the light which no human being with their finite minds can approach unto. He says, whom no man hath seen nor can see. 
can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. Amen. And so back here in Revelation, when John is receiving this letter to the seven churches of Asia Minor, he said here in verse, uh, in verse 5, John verse 4 and verse 5, John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace and peace um, unto you and peace from him which is, that is, uh, the Father which is, uh, which was, and which is Come, which is to come and from the seven spirits which is before his throne and not only from the father but everybody verse 5 and from Jesus Christ he is the son of the father who is the faithful witness uh, the, the greatest example of faithfulness is the Lord Jesus himself and when you have the genuine Holy Ghost and the genuine spirit of Christ in your life you don't know how to be unfaithful. You learn, you learn to serve God faithfully even unto the end. It's a wonderful thing to have Jesus as the example that we can follow. And when we incorporate his spirit in our lives, we are taking on the spirit of the Father. Let us pray. Father, we thank you this day for another day in your house. We thank you, Lord, for this service, and we pray, Father, that you'll let your word continue to challenge our lives. The greatest desire, Father, I can ask you today to fulfill in my life is to raise up in our midst faithful individuals that will not serve you at their convenience, but will serve you faithful even unto the end. Even like you told the church at Smyrna, faithful, be thou faithful, even unto death. Help us, we pray, Father, to be faithful in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.